The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! This is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. Hand off, Elliott plowing to the goal line. Barry, sacked by Lord. Prescott keeps it, and he bangs it into the touchdown. And now, your hosts, Isaiah Stanback, Patrick Walker, Rob Phillips, and Kyle Yeomans. It is a wonderful Wednesday edition of Talking Cowboys, presented by Black Rifle Coffee Company, here from the star in Frisco, and the SWBC Mortgage Studios. Welcome in, everybody, as we preview the Cowboys defense versus the Washington Commanders offense. Here over the next 45 minutes, and we have got some fun matchups to look at and to be a part of here on this episode. As always, Rob Phillips, Isaiah Stanback, Patrick Walker, I'm Kyle Yeomans. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Fantastic. Lovely, lovely. Would you consider this the first ever matchup between the Cowboys and the Commanders? You talked to Nick before this show? We've had this conversation (laughs) with Nick a couple of times. Nick is Nick Eatman, by the way. uh, He's a huge proponent of this is the only time the Cowboys have played the Commanders. I I happen to be on his side to where... If you want to say the the past team names, the past monikers, you just refer to them as Washington. You didn't beat the Commanders in 2020 or 2021. You beat Washington in 2020 or 2021, right? Good talk. I, Do you agree with this, Patrick? <laughs> 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 We're good. Here, here's my stance on it. I don't care what you change your name to. It's still the same team that was getting hands put on them. So it doesn't matter. Your mama named him Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's Washington. So I, I wouldn't say – I mean, technically, you know, it is the first meeting with the commanders. But realistically speaking, no, it's it's the same Washington you've been beating up on since 1960. That's kind of what I was getting at. I was hoping somebody would take me there Yeah. to tell me about this I Washington commanders team. They kept the same colors. Yeah. It's the same franchise. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I, I disagree. <laughs> it's the same team. Right. And, and mostly, as, as far as recent history goes, same owner, right? I mean, mm. okay. <laughs> same, you know, septic tank of a stadium. Mm. Get after him. Went there. We're three minutes in. I love yep. it. I like yeah. it. We don't even play in FedEx until uh And like that's not figuratively December, speaking. January. That's literally speaking. I mean, you know, sewage. Good point. Yeah, coming out of all right, pipe. we're going to pass yeah, through this. Yeah. It's early in the morning. People I have their black like rifle coffee. I don't like that organization. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, With give me some chest. news and notes. <laughs> news and notes: The Cowboys will have a walkthrough practice today because of the short week. They'll get back into normalish practice on Thursday. A couple guys to watch for throughout the week as as last week as well. Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz, Jerry Jones told us that both guys. Basically made the decision, not quite ready to play last week or two days ago. So we'll see where they're at this week. Dak Prescott, no timetable yet, according to Mike McCarthy, on when he will start throwing. But the stitches are out. We'll see how much swelling he's got. Isaiah, you know well. you got to be able to grip the ball and throw it. So it looks like the Cooper Rush show this week again. But Dak is getting closer. Got to be able to grip it in, rip it. There were reports yesterday that he could push it and make it in this week, but there's no reason to do that right now, right? Jerry said in a week or two, the risk of re-injury is not a factor. Mm-hmm. 
but can he throw the ball? Like Steven told me pregame, it's his timeline. It's whether he can function. And Dak's going to say, oh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah. But you'll be able to tell whether he can you know, function out there and throw the ball the way he needs to and spin it. Isaiah, what do you think on the Dak situation? I think Cooper Rush is giving him more time. That's mm. what I believe. I think that he's in a in a great position right now where the organization is not going to be – not to say that they would with his training staff, but if there were any organizational uh, pressures, those are have now been removed from him as Cooper Rush is buying him time by winning ball games. Um, I think had the Cowboys been losing uh, or lost these last two games, there would have been a lot more outside pressures for him to hurry up and get back. Right, Hurry up, get back, get that thing right, whatever you got to do. Um, but – he has the time. He, you know, he has a leisure of, of, of ensuring that he's 100% instead of, you know, 85 when he comes back. You know how Dak is. Like, Zeke told us, the week, I think the week that Dak got the surgery, Zeke was like, yeah, Dak was telling me, he's like, man, I can, I can, I can do this. He's right. like, just, just calm down. Stop. You, you had he's surgery like, this week, bro. Just, just chill out. You know, <laughs> that's Dak. He wants to get back as quick as possible. But, yeah, I mean, it's uh, – Rush has done as well as you can ask for at the backup position, and they're 2-0 and without Dak. And, yeah, it's – I mean, you still want Dak when you can get back, but there's no reason to rush. As Mike McCarthy said yesterday, no, see, it's a long season. And there's that's a long a, way to go that's here. That's exactly who I would continue to defer to when it comes to Dak Prescott's timeline. I, I love how McCarthy is just playing it straight up and, and just saying, hey, you know, it, it's a process. Step one, get the stitches out. Okay, that happened on Monday. Step two, let's get past the swelling and then through the strength exercises. And now Dak Prescott's on step two. McCarthy is not going, you know, to take that leap to step three until Dak is actually on step three. So he's not, you know, swimming in the optimism, but he's yeah. not swimming in pessimism either. He's like, look, it is what it is. He still has some swelling. He's probably not going to practice this week. Cooper Rush is still going to be, you know, the guy going into against Washington. But, by the way, there is no QB controversy. So, again, when it comes to the quarterback position and, and the, the progress of Dak on, on his thumb, it's it's McCarthy that I'm really leaning heavily on. Mike has not speculated on a single not week a single or date. Thing. <laughs> not once. Not get a the, single thing. Get the stitches out. Get the swelling down. Let's go. Mike is glued to the science, and I love it. <laughs> He's like, this is what it is. And Analytics and science All of and that. facts He's and like, whatever he wants to, to, to this, talk about. It's not that. It's this. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not stirring yeah, up the quarterback. Science. Science. <laughs> science. There's, there's no quarterback controversy. I'm a firm believer of that. I think right. it's, it's marketing and it's it's honestly it's confidence in Cooper Rush more than it is anything and he's earned that confidence by winning his first three starts but we did have this conversation at one point and Dak Prescott is your starter long term but with it being an injury that is keeping him out do you ride the hot hand until the hot hand isn't hot anymore do you keep Cooper Rush in the ball game for an extended period of time if he continues to win let's say he wins this week at Washington Dak does not play in week five, which is the original return date that he put out there, or at least the reports were that were out there. Week five against the Rams, Cooper Rush plays again, beats the reigning Super Bowl champions on the road. Still a high bargain, still a high target to hit regardless. If that happens and you're 4-1 going into Philadelphia, both quarterbacks are healthy. Do you take the ball out of the hand of Cooper Rush, Isaiah? Yeah, Cooper Rush got to sit. I mean, okay. He's your number two guy. Regardless of the success he's having, I mean, you, you can't create. You want to talk about controversy? Hmm. That would demoralize the relationship of Dak Prescott and this and the Dallas Cowboys. Hmm. I don't know, whoever is making decisions, Jerry, whoever. Uh, 
you can't do that. Whenever your guy is 100% healthy, he plays. That's just the facts. Now, from that point forward, if Dak gets out there 100% healthy and he's not doing what you expect him to do or what the team and the organization needs him to do, then you can make the decision to, to revert back to your backup Wouldn't plan. that stir up more controversy? Not if he's help, not if he's not helping you win games. Okay. I mean, because ultimately that's the goal, to win games. So regardless of what you're getting paid to do, you know, you have to do that. If you're getting paid $40-plus million and you get in there and all of a sudden you guys start taking L's, it's a conversation that's going to be had yeah. because this guy was winning and you're not. But that's not the case right now. I mean, right now Cooper Rush is winning. And, you know, if Dak gets back healthy, you know, the expectation will, will remain the same. Just they got to pay a little bit more. <laughs> Dak, Dak goes back in. It's not even a conversation. Dak goes back in. Um, and for a couple reasons. One, uh, Cooper Rush is doing what you're paying him to do. This is what every GM in the league wants their backup quarterback to be able to do is to step in and be a starter in the event their starter gets injured or whatever the case may be and win ball games. Even if it's a scenario where, you know, he go Cooper Rush goes into Los Angeles, upsets the the Rams, Cowboys are four and one. You're looking at Philadelphia. It's still not a conversation. You still put Dak in. And, and here's the other reason. It, Isaiah makes a great point as well. You want to talk about QB controversy. Uh, that that would be how you do it if you talk about that hot hand stuff. And, oh, well, maybe, you know, give Dak another week. Don't do it. You put your guy back in. But also, the, the sooner, without rushing Dak, let him get 100%. But the sooner he can get back in, the better, because we spoke about it coming out of week one. He did not have a great game in week one. Okay, yeah. well, let's be more specific. He had arguably the worst game he's had as a pro. He needs to get back to prime form and get chemistry with this new look wide receiver core, who, by the way, at that point should have Michael Gallup back as well. So there's going to need to be some some dust settling going on there. So you need that, and, and as far as Dak Prescott finding his stride, you need that to happen before November, yeah. before December. The longer you try to play it out and say, oh, the hot hand, the hot hand, the more you, you stall the process of Dak getting back and getting this chemistry with C.D. Lamb and of returning Michael Gallup and Noah Brown and Jalen Tolbert and Simi Fajoko. As soon as Dak is 100%, you put him back in. And if it is a scenario, which would be completely ideal, that they're 4-1 going into Philadelphia – if he happens to struggle in Philadelphia and they drop that game, guess what? You only fall with four and two. Yeah. Right? So however you slice it. You've when, got a buffer. It, correct. When QB1 is ready, put him back. I like that. That's a good point. I don't need – I can't add anything more than that. That was great. I, and it's Thank his, you, Rob. It's his it's, – <laughs> uh, yeah. Isaiah, too. I mean, it, and it's it's his team. It's his locker room. Fact. He won the, over the locker room six years ago, and it's been his team since. He's the heart of the team. Yeah. And – you don't mess with that. He also gives you the best chance to win. Now, there are haters out there that say no, but he does give you the best chance to win football games. And it's a totally different thing. I said it last week from the 2016 Romo thing. They were like 8-1, and 9-1 and one when Romo was healthy enough to play again. Mm-hmm. This is not the case here. This is, you know, a couple weeks are going to go by and he's going to be ready to play, I think. Yep. No, I agree with you completely. And just for the record, I do agree. I just wanted to pose the question out there. I wanted to see, because I know there are other trains of thought at the moment with this Cooper Rush and Dak Prescott situation at quarterback. There are people in the building, I mean, media-wise, that think that they should keep a hot hand going along the way. I disagree. Put your quarterback back in when he's ready to go. I'm on the same page as you guys at the moment. Not every train is headed to the right destination. You're right. <laughs> right. There's a lot of those trains. Yeah, There's a lot yeah. of different tracks. Yeah. And they crisscross yeah. sometimes. You know how that goes. Trains. <laughs> so, <laughs> with that being said, uh, 
there's been a a conversation around the quarterback position, but what about the uh, – I forgot my train of thought. What about what Kellen Moore had to say yesterday? Did anything stick out to you? And I mean, I know Rob and Patrick both were, were at the press conference. I was watching later. But anything stick out to you of what he had to say about the way this offense is starting to kind of turn things around on that side of the ball? I think he had some some obviously some positive things to say about Jason Peters and the limited snaps that he that he uh, the veteran put out there and how he helped to stabilize uh, an overall young group. Zach Martin, notwithstanding, um, Isaiah wants to smile so badly right now. Because <laughs> so he, Jason Peters, yeah, he, he absolutely has some great things to say about Jason Peters. But just as a whole, uh, Kellen Moore looks like and sounds as if he understands the importance of making sure that there's a backbone to this offense and the backbone being Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott or Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard or Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, depending on what opposing defense gives you, who goes off that particular game. So you love to hear that from Kellen Moore because it, it, we talked about it on yesterday. It really does sound like, Rob, that he um, he's starting to understand the need for consistency and sticking with what works, whatever that might be. Yeah, for sure. And he mentioned, you know, Compared to week one, the first, the second and third down manageables were much better. And how do you do that? You do that by getting a strong running game and getting yourself in third and three instead of third and eight. And also the pre-snap penalties, which they still had problems with in the game. You got to cut down those. Youth. But yeah, I think they recognize, I mentioned identity yesterday. They know they can play to this defense. So run the ball, take some pressure off of Cooper Rush. It's a good formula. The other thing that stood out to me is that and Mike spoke to this before Kellen did, they don't have any real limitations as far as Cooper Rush running this offense. And that's that's a credit to him being in the system for so long. And and they referenced that that third and, what was it, third and 12, yeah. where he checked into a run. And if you had a couple quibbles about what Kellen Moore did with his play calling, you could say, well, late in the game, third and one, why'd you throw it with six minutes left and you got the lead? Also, that one was like, why are you running on third down? Well, that was a check at the line of scrimmage, and it was a hell of a run. So it's a credit to Cooper Rush's knowledge of the system and their comfort level with him in the system what do you think nothing more to add you love that right yeah i mean it's it's a running team it's it's, i don't care how much Moore wants to throw the ball this is is a team that has to run the ball to be successful and the better the more they run it the better the more efficient they are running the ball the better they will be passing were you satisfied with the way that they ran the ball i mean numbers wise everybody's satisfied they only went for 180 right i mean it's just a big (laughs) time game uh but were you satisfied with the way that they kept at it, even in a tight ball game down the stretch? Because in the past, we've kind of gone the different direction, or we've seen them go a different direction. Yeah, again, I, I, you know, I, I kind of lean back on Kellen Moore's maturing. You know, he's he's learning himself. He's learning the game. He's learning what's most effective, what strategy is best to put the organization in a position to win ball games and not just have success offensively. I, I just think that he's figuring it out. And, you know, obviously guys coming back, you know, uh, office linemen helping out, you know, having more experience is all going to play to his his hand in terms of what he can do offensively to help these guys score points, to withstand drives, to move the chains, and, and keep the play keep away from the other team. Your defense is playing lights out, but you don't want to depend on them. That's, is, is, that's not complimentary football is when you're depending on your defense to bail you out. Have 14, 15-play drives that end with points. 
win the time of possession and then let them go out there and do what they do on defense. They'll be well rested and they'll be happy. And when were they most successful in the second half on on Monday night? Yep. When they did that, yeah, yeah, whenever they ran the ball and they put drives together and then the Facts. defense came back and were able to get after Daniel Jones and company and shut them down following that 13-6 to lead that at one point the Giants had in the third quarter. All right, let's take our first break. When we come back, can the Dallas defense contain their excellence? Can they continue their excellence throughout the course of the season because they've been fantastic to this point. It is wall-to-wall Wednesday. We preview the Cowboys' defense versus the Washington offense when we come back. When you build, you start with the foundation. And home ownership is a foundation of a stable future. The Bank of America Community Home Ownership Commitment has helped over 34,000 people lay the groundwork so far. With up to $10,000 towards your down payment or 3% of the purchase price, whichever is less, the satisfaction of owning your own place can become a reality. Visit bankofamerica.com slash homeowner to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Equal housing lender. Credit and collateral is subject to approval. Restrictions apply. This is not a commitment to lend. Did you get to work on time? Yeah, but I just realized it's Sunday. Little Sweet says head on home. Dr. Pepper's on its way. So sweet, unique. Baby, there's nothing better. I bet you've probably done something that deserves a Dr. Pepper. Did you invest your nest egg in an NFT? Yeah, and I don't even know what that is. It's a non-fungible token. Dr. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savanna. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Are you ready to take coffee off your grocery list forever? Black Rifle Coffee Club is here to help. As a coffee club member, you'll get your favorite coffees roasted, packaged, and shipped to your door free of charge on your preferred schedule. Set it, forget it, and never run low on coffee again. Members also get exclusive deals on coffee, products, and discounts from partner brands. Ease your mind and let Black Rifle worry about your coffee supply. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com to join the coffee club today. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where Everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Back to Talking Cowboys. Are you a Cowboys fan who spices up the game? Nominate yourself or a friend to be the Cowboys fan of the year presented by Captain Morgan. You could also win a Super Bowl trip or excuse me, a trip to Super Bowl 57 in Arizona. Nominate yourself or a friend at DallasCowboys.com slash fan of the year. Back here with Talking Cowboys, presented by Black Rifle Coffee Company, the official coffee of the Dallas Cowboys. Glad you're with us. And it's time to preview a little Dallas defense versus this Washington offense. And this is a matchup, Rob, that you look at 
And I feel like you can take advantage at every level. The Cowboys have playmakers at every level of this defense, and they've shown it throughout the start of the season. So when you asked me yesterday, just quick preview, I hadn't watched Washington. I hadn't really watched them at all so far this season. So after the after the show, I watched a little bit of the last game. And yeah, I mean, it's called preparation. Called, yeah, well, prepping prep, <laughs> well prep for Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, every level, yes, up front, and no see reference this yesterday. Certainly up front, based off what we saw on Sunday. My goodness. <clears throat> Carson Wentz sacked nine times, hit 17 times. And like you go back and watch it, and there wasn't one area, one key cog where they were struggling in. It was middle pressure, it was edge pressure. You know, Fletcher Cox was doing his thing. Brandon Graham is the NFC Defensive Player of the Week with 2.5 <laughs> sacks, five quarterback hits. He was everywhere in this game, and they just couldn't. It's like they tried to. How did he beat our D Law? Huh? He had a forced was, fumble. No, that's right. That's that's, a, that's yeah. kind of the that was the deciding factor. I think two that's and a half it. sacks and five QB hits versus three and six, but he had a forced fumble. That's true. They were that, that would have been a close yeah. close vote probably. But yeah, it's it's up front, and you look at what Dallas has done the first three games. That's obviously where you point to and say, hey, they can they can win there. And if you win in the trenches, ninety nine percent of the time you win the ball game in the NFL. Um, so in looking at Washington, there's a few things that I mean, every team, no matter how bad they are, there are certain things they do well. Um, they just might not do enough of those things well. And I think Washington is one of those teams. But they do so much bad. Um, <laughs> so much bad. What sticks out to me is obviously it's glaring that they cannot protect Carson Wentz. It's also glaring that even if you could protect Carson Wentz, there's no guarantee he's going to uh, go out there and light up the scoreboard because mm -hmm. even when he's had protection in Philadelphia at times, he's still you know had two, three interception games. Um, but flipping over to the commander's defense, this is a, a team uh, that brought in Ron Rivera because he's more of a defensive-minded head coach. But this defense, you, you you respect a guy like William Jackson III. You respect a guy like Kendall Fuller. But this team, not only are they not taking plays away, but they're struggling in coverage as well. Uh, and a lot of that does go to the fact that they're not getting a ton of pressure on the opposing quarterback. And what does that do? That opens and extends coverage windows. It makes it more difficult. But now they're going against the Cowboys team, who obviously still has some question marks in, in the passing game, but they're starting to stabilize, yeah. right? So if CeeDee Lamb can build off of the momentum of, of the second half that he had, it, we, we'll see if Dalton Schultz goes. If he doesn't go, Peyton Hendershot, Jake Ferguson, you're up. We'll see how that goes. We, we now know what Noah Brown can do, okay? Yeah. So if we're talking about matchups, which we'll get to in a second, I'm really interested to see Cooper Rush, who hasn't turned the ball over, against a commander secondary who hasn't taken the ball away but once – in three weeks as far as interception is concerned. I love this idea, but you flipped our matchup that we're mm. previewing. We're, we're previewing the mm. Dallas defense versus the Washington offense. Okay, we'll revisit. We'll re we're going to talk about that we'll tomorrow. Yeah, we'll I love the tomorrow. point. Your point is fantastic. There's more science on that tomorrow. <laughs> There's, it's more a tease for Thursday. Tomorrow. Yeah, you just you flipped more it a little bit for us. But circling back, I, I will say. <laughs> <What the laughs> I, I can summarize, I can summarize yeah, it for you. Yeah, back. go for it. Go for uh, <laughs> Washington is compost. Mm. It's kind of like what Patrick said in the just, first I'm just, I'm just going to summarize it. Their so offense is pure compost. <laughs> They're trash. They're not even recyclable. Oh, God. This they, is going to be bulletin board material. It was better the first two weeks. Last 
past Sunday was. Uh, yeah, but, but they what, were okay the first two weeks. You, know, you talk about, about opponents, but. Yeah, but they're about to face the Dallas Cowboys, and the Dallas Cowboys defense more resembles the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles than they do anybody else that Washington has played to date. No doubt. So when you look at the comparisons, and you like you said, you turn the film on, those nine sacks, yeah, they weren't coming from just the left side, just the right side. They were coming from the guard position. The center was getting beat up, the left tackle, the right tackle. They were taking turns on who was going to make the next big play. You know, even freaking Big Davis didn't even really seemingly have a big impact. It was Fletcher Cox. Mm-hmm. It was freaking Graham, you know, 13-year. I mean, we're talking about vets now. We're talking about guys that have been around for a long time. These aren't yeah. young spring chickens like young Micah Parsons. These guys have been around for mm-hmm. a minute, right, having some miles and some tread on them. And they were still out there just terrorizing uh, their offensive line. Not only are they unable to protect Carson Wentz, like you said, Kyle, but their running game is Pepe Le Pew. That's the one thing they've always been able to bank on. Turn around, hand the ball to Gibson. When everybody starts loading the box up, throw it out to, to Scary Terry. Scary Terry, it, Halloween's coming up, but he's not scary right now. You mm. know, and, and he's you know he still put up some yards. You know, last week, you know, he still he still got his yardage, but it didn't seem like it was much of a threat. He went for six catches, 102 in yep. the game, but I don't think he touched the ball until the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And that's been a problem, I think, this season. They haven't really gotten him involved. They have tr- they tried in that game to get the running game going. Yeah, they, you know, they, kept, they kept trying to stick with it to try to take some pressure off Wentz, and, and no C's right. Like, when he held the ball too long at times, yes. that's that's part of the pressure. And Ghosts. then yeah, there were times where he did have time and he didn't step into his throws, and that's – that's probably going back to Philly and all the injuries they used to have where he would get beat up and pressured and that's that's a problem too when you're not when you do have time and you're probably thinking about do I have time you know one of the things that you have to be aware of against Washington is trash as they look one thing you know to your point some teams just aren't doing things good enough consistent consistently and you have to respect the heck out of Gibson. Gibson and McLaurin, you better freaking know where they're at what they're doing don't sleep on them regardless of how well you're playing defensively but it's it's Almost, uh, I want to say it's almost like a trap to watch the Philadelphia Eagles have that much success against their offensive line when they're trying to be efficient in the run game because they have two big boys in there. So when you watch the Philadelphia Eagles defensive line, they got 700 pounds of grown man sitting in there. It's easy to look at him and be like, oh, they just can't run the ball right now. Not so fast, my friends. You still have to show up. You still got to take care of your business. Osa, uh, Gallimore, you guys are still got to come in there and be impact guys in, in your where, however you do it because you're not Fletcher Cox. You're not yeah. freaking big baby Davis or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> you know, you have to be effect- effective. So I say that to say they're capable. They just haven't shown it consistently. Dan Quinn is going to be relentless. Yeah, and, and, oh, yeah. I, and I, when I say relentless, I don't mean that he's going to you know send the dogs you know five or six pass rushes at a time because I don't think he's going to need to. Uh, at the end of the day, you, you mentioned bulletin board material, kind of similar to um, the Cowboys versus Giants and the Demarcus Lawrence comment ahead of that. Little bulletin, yeah, the bulletin board material is a thing, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how pissed off you get with me if you're simply not as good as the guys on this side of the ball. And Dan Quinn has just an armoire of weaponry aimed at Carson Wentz and that commander's offensive line. And you mentioned, Kyle, it's it's lethal at all three levels. He's going to – the dogs are coming. They're, I believe they're going to win their matchups up front. And then behind them at the second level, you have Micah roaming. We'll see if Micah does more uh, edge duty now that he should be feeling better yeah. this, this week. Mm-hmm. But Anthony Barr starting to come on strong. LVE still playing solid. Secondary, 
Scary Terry, he's a thing. You got to keep an eye on him. However, you can completely delete Scary Terry if you bully the hell out of Carson Wentz. Curtis and then Samuels I, had a pretty solid start it, to the season. Solid start. Yeah. But I think the commanders themselves would tell you that they would like to see more from Samuel and the rookie Dotson opposite uh, Scary Terry. But, again, and this is not a knock to the receivers because the receivers are talented. If your quarterback – is laying on his back for most mm-hmm. of the game or running for his life for most of the game, and you cannot establish the run, all your receivers are mostly doing is out there just running routes. Conditioning. It's cardio. <laughs> it's just cardio. They're getting paid for cardio that week. And then what's going to happen is eventually, and this is something that I noticed as well, and you'll notice this with, with bad NFL teams, over the course of the game, as the quarterback starts to get bullied more and more and it, the offense becomes completely ineffective, Sooner or later, the receiver's breaks look less crisp, right? Mm. They're not running through the routes as they should because they start mentally checking out. And this is a a Dan Quinn-led defense that can really do that to teams, really start to take your heart, really start to take your your mind out of the game. And I just – I think that, you know, Carson Wentz is is in for – if he thought he had a long day against Philadelphia – Welcome to Dallas. Mm-hmm. Only Joe Burrow has been sacked as many times as Carson Wentz so far this season. 15 times for both guys. Oh, and the Cowboys, according to NFL.com, rank first in the NFL mm-hmm. with 25 hits on the quarterback, not just the sacks, which they also lead with 13. So what you're telling me is this is a scary matchup with these two for Washington. It should be terrifying for Washington. So One thing I I, I do want to add here. So Brandon Graham had the the two-and-a-half sacks, NFC Defensive Player of the Week last week. The week before that, uh, the – Detroit. Yeah, Detroit Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson, who was the number two overall pick in the NFL draft, he had three sacks against this team as a rookie. The rookie had three sacks. Mm -hmm. Still a really good player. Don't I mean he's number two overall pick for a reason. The week before that, there was only one player that got a sack, and it was Trayvon Walker, who was the number one overall pick. So it's been the talented guys that are getting in the backfield. Could this be the day for Micah Parsons if he feels healthy and he's ready to go, which he should by the time Sunday rolls around? Is this the day where he's really able to let loose because all of that extra pressure from the guys up front are going to provide an open lane for Mr. 11 to walk right through? I think – I think you can go out there and get three sacks this week, Kyle. Deal. I'll do <laughs> it. Lace them up. Go get Does that mean check. I get a game check? Get the bag. Sweet. Get the bag. I'll yeah, t- I'll, I'll take it. Big lollipop. I think Mike is going to eat regardless of who's up there. All right, that's the one thing. I mean, that's one thing we know about him. He is a physical specimen. Dan Quinn is a is a specimen when it comes to being a, a defensive coordinator. So in terms of putting your physical specimen in position to be successful, he knows how to do that. So Micah, regardless of who you're playing, he's going to eat. It's everybody else. It's, it's who you look around on the roster and say, who else wants to eat? Who else wants to make a play? I think you saw that last week. That was probably the most reflective, um, you know, the, great, the greatest example of team defense that you can ever imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, not a, you're not banking on a bunch of turnovers and all that, but just the fact that these guys just were pests and you didn't know who was going to make the next play. When you, as a fan and as a spectator, are watching that, and you're like, oh, freaking, it's Armstrong this play. Oh, it's freaking, you know, Gallimore this play. Oh, it's Micah. Oh, it's, you know, whoever. You know, it's D-Law. It, when you don't know who it is, imagine what the heck the offensive coordinators are trying to figure out, you know, or the quarterback. as they and Their eyes are supposed to be on the horizon. Their eyes are getting down to the defensive line now, and they look shook. And that's what you saw last week uh, from – from Daniel Jones, that's what you saw from Carson Wentz when he played against Philadelphia. Their eyes are just all over the place, and when their eyes are on the defensive line and on the rush, 
you don't have to worry about guys like like uh, McLaurin. Michael Parsons is going to impact the game even if he doesn't get a sack because it's it's going to happen in one of two ways. Either maybe finally he starts getting the holding calls, <laughs> maybe. Um, but that notwithstanding, he's going to be in the commander's backfield regularly. Mm-hmm. And that's going to flush Carson Wentz towards one direction or the other. That feeds Demarcus Lawrence if, uh, if he's rushing off of the left and Carson rolls to the right. Or the opposite, you might see Durant Armstrong, we spoke about him yesterday, could have had another two-sack game um, against the New York Giants. He's coming on just magnificently. He's having a career year. Dante Fowler uh, had a great game uh, against the Bengals, so forth and so on. We'll see how the week goes with J. Ron Curse, who's making some progress. Mike McCarthy said they're going to feel him out this week. Might be a late-week decision. If you throw J. Ron Curse into this mix as well, there is nowhere for the commanders to attack there is no weak spot on this Cowboys defense. You, you, the fans will often say, oh, well, it's Anthony Brown. It's, I promise you it's not Anthony Brown. Anthony Brown is one of the best cornerbacks on this team, mm-hmm. and he could be a starter on any of the other 31 teams in the league as well. There is a reason that teams can't necessarily throw away from Trayvon Diggs, and Anthony Brown is one. And then in the nickel, you have Jordan Lewis and an up-and-comer in Deron Bland and so forth and so on. And let's not even talk about the safeties. and Donald Wilson and, and Malik Hooker. And good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of weapons on the backside and the front side of the yeah. defense, for that matter. Now, I do want to focus on the secondary after our second break. What are your thoughts of Trayvon Diggs to this point in the season, and how could this matchup challenge him with Scary Terry, Curtis Samuel, compared to the wide receivers he's already seen here in the 2022 season. When we come back with more Talking Cowboys after this. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Black Rifle Coffee Company serves premium coffee to people who love America. When you drink Black Rifle Coffee, you are directly supporting veterans, law enforcement, and first responders in your community. Black Rifle's expert roasters love coffee almost as much as Texas loves football, so it makes sense that America's Coffee partnered with America's team. Go online at BlackRifleCoffee.com and fuel up with the official coffee of the Dallas Cowboys. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com to fuel up today. Little Sweet! Did you get to work on time? Yeah, but I just realized it's Sunday. Little Sweet says head on home. Dr. Pepper is on its way. So sweet, unique. Baby, there's nothing better. I bet you've probably done something that deserves a Dr. Pepper. Did you invest your nest egg in an NFT? Yeah, and I don't even know what that is. It's a non-fungible token. Everyone's done something that deserves a Dr. Pepper. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back to Talking Cowboys. Whether you're watching from home or you're cheering in the stands with Essilor lenses, you can see every exciting play. Book an appointment at your local Essilor experts and see what Essilor can do for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. On Talking Cowboys. Brought that mic back, right? Somebody's messing with my joint. Right Somebody's messing with it? Yeah, it's not lubricated. Mm, Got to get some WD-40, WD-40 right on that yeah. thing. That's the fix for everything. Mm-hmm. Beamer knows that. Okay, well, he understands. Yeah, man. What? Nothing. Go what? on. Move what? on. What did you just say? <laughs> I said your initials. Oh, just, no. Just... All right. Chris Beam, Patrick Walker, <laughs> Rob Phillips. We almost made it through the day. Isaiah Stanback. <laughs> we almost made it through the whole Kyle day. Kyle Yeomans. We almost got through it. We almost did. We got through Testing two segments. Resolve. Final 10 There's minutes. <laughs> I just, my resolve's pretty high. Let's see what the, the boss's resolves are once we get a pink <laughs> slip. To the, to the principal's yeah, office. we're going to be in the principal's office pretty quickly here. Um, all right. Trayvon Diggs. Rob, what are, you, what are your early thoughts on Trayvon Diggs and how he's played to this point in the season? I think you can't judge him off interceptions. I think we probably did a little bit too much of that last year. Although, I mean, he gave up yards last year, but I don't see – I don't see the big plays being allowed by him. I think he's. I think it shows signs he's becoming more of a complete corner. And and you know he had some chances for picks that he didn't get in week three, but overall he hasn't leaked those large. I think teams tried to to try to bait him into some double moves type stuff last year. I don't see him biting on those kind of things. I think he's he's rounding into being a complete guy. That yeah, if you want to throw at me, fine. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give up the big stuff like maybe I did at times last year. He's got one. He got one. That was a heck of a pick, too. Yeah, it was. But that's the conversation. I don't remember where we had. I don't know if it was on this platform or what. We definitely have talked about it. Yeah, here. and I talked about how – I think we asked – I think the question was posed, do you want to see him get more interceptions or something like that? And I was like, no. I actually rather him not get all those interceptions because in order to get those interceptions, you have to take risks. And they're calculated risks, but you have to take risks. And on the other end of that is what Rob P. just alluded to. If you don't get the pick – Usually somebody's come up, is going behind you, right? And you're putting a lot of pressure on your safety. So you want to be the cornerback that you don't really hear their name. If you don't hear their name and nobody's getting getting yards on them, they're probably doing a doggone good job. That's the Trayvon Diggs that you want to see because now teams aren't going at him like they used to. Now he's not giving up those big plays. He's not biting on those double moves. He has more film study. He has you know a heck of a coach that's able to be in his ear. He's, he's not only – has the wisdom at his disposal, but he's also receiving it. And you see him maturing as a player, and it's it's impactful. It's really impactful. Now, I'm not going to say he's a shut-down corner yet, but he's a hell of a corner. I'm going to say he's a shut-down corner. Okay. Uh, uh-huh. and, and, and here's why I say that. Um, when you combine what he did last year and his ability to take the ball away, the, the, the only question or the narrative against him then was, oh, he gives up all these yards. Rob P makes a, a great point in that he's not biting these double moves and that he's still staying glued to these receivers' hips. His coverage skills were already better than most people would give him credit for in 2021. But it, 
what he's been able to do over the course of this offseason and training camp and another full you know year under Dan Quinn and Al Harris shouts out to Al Harris as well and you know the secondary's coach uh, he's taken that leap to be a more complete and comprehensive cornerback and that's why I would say that he's more of the shutdown corner now because he's one that you can trust him on an island more and more as these games roll along and he's being smarter about when he takes the risk because if you notice of the three risks that he took uh, against the Giants all three of those could have been interceptions all three there was not a single route that he jumped against the Giants that went for big yardage all three of those went through his hand right went through his hand well the last there was one, two that, yeah, there was two one that got one. caught by Shepard, but he would, hey, there was a yeah. safety help over the top, and it didn't go very far. It was right. like a couple extra yards. And, and that would, first two went through his hands. And I saw it. And to your point, he the second one could have been down. a pick. That should have gone yeah. to the crib. Yeah. I still don't know how that ball defied physics that way. Um, but to my point, the coverage skills, they were already better than most people would have given him credit for in 2021, but they've leveled up. The, mm-hmm. the ball hawking skills – have not gone anywhere. Uh, and I think it's, and I mentioned this on Media Mash yesterday, I think it's a situation where, like like Sachs, Demarcus Lawrence said that Sachs come in bunches. And we, I talk, spoke about this with, with Nick as well, Nick Eatman. I think that interception against the Giants was the icebreaker for a bunch of interceptions that's going to come for Trevon Diggs. Now, does that mean he's going to walk away with three interceptions against, Car- against Carson Wentz? You love it, love to see it. But I do think he gets at least one against Carson Wentz. I'd be down for three. Right. I, hey, go ahead and put me on record. Three with extra cheese, please. Please. <laughs> um, but I think that this is the icebreaker, and now he kind of gets that monkey off his back and says, hey, okay, reminder. You know, but I also love what Dan Quinn said yesterday about the energy, the air around Trayvon Diggs. He said when he stands next to Trayvon Diggs, he feels this air, this energy where, you know, Trayvon is quiet for the most part. But there's this sense of, to put Quinn, in Quinn's words, I hope they try me today. Mm. The coverage is there. The ball hawking skills is there. The tackling is there. Yeah. And the confidence is there. That's a shutdown corner to me. They're, they have tried him. Teams have tried him. Through three games, he's been targeted 21 times. His man has been targeted 21 times. He's allowed 13 receptions in those 21 targets, and he's batted four away, and he's picked one off. So pretty much five of those seven incompletions, or what would that be, eight incompletions, have been either PBUs or inter- interception. The Out of the 13 receptions that he's allowed, he's allowed 11 and a half yards per catch which is seven yards per catch less than what he allowed last year, all of last year. So they're smaller completions. They're testing him underneath rather than over the top because over the top it just hasn't been there. If you go back and watch the film, I'm curious on what you think, Isaiah, because you you look at that all 22. But over the top, it doesn't look like teams are testing him over there. They're mostly running his direction or throwing it that way and then letting teams try and put together yak yards. Yeah, it's it's a combination of his skill set, his maturity, but it's also – a Dan Quinn's new system that he's running in the secondary. When you have a defensive front like like the Dallas Cowboys do right now, you play your quarterbacks more off. Mm. Reason being is you don't want these guys to get lucky and you know, just check it up there, get a PI call. You know the percentage of getting a PI call or getting a completion are higher than incomplete. So you rather your cornerbacks play back, keep everything in front of them, and let them play downhill. So that's why that plays into the stat line too. That's why there's certain aspects of the game that stats don't reflect, and that's yeah. one of them. Right, your front seven allows for you to be a lot more patient, chill, come downhill, and make plays. Also, to add to that point, 11 penalties last year for Trayvon Diggs, most of them P.I. calls, zero. 
Zero penalties to this point in the season. Through three games. What's his PFF grade right now? Uh, that's what everybody gets upset about. Uh, and it, and uh, oh, it's bad. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. Fifty-five out of and last year it was a fifty-nine. I just don't. I don't get it. I don't understand that either. There's nothing to get there. There's a um, lot of there. It's it's run eyeballs. defense is what they're grading him poorly on. His coverage is still like a sixty, but his run but, defense is like well, a forty-one. That's what I was at. More coverage. Because yeah, run coverage is fine, sixty. Yeah, right around sixty. If which I roll is my eyes, still lower harder, than it was last year. If I roll my eyes any harder at those grades, I'll be looking at the back of my head from the inside. We have to say this on the show almost every time we use PFF. Use it as a as a, a reference point. Don't use it to make your own opinions on players. Just use it as a reference yeah, point P- to, to build your own opinion. Has a scouting department. Sure. So that's how they're going about grading these guys. They have a scouting department, much like the Cowboys. The Cowboys' grades on a player aren't going to be the same as, as another organization's grades on a player. No. But the PFF it just it just utilizes their scouts. Yeah. So yeah. take that subjective with a grain of salt. Yeah, sure. It is. But at the same time, I think all of us are in agreement that it, it hasn't been flashy, but it's been better, right? In what the not only Trayvon Diggs but the secondary has done to this point, correct? Yeah, he told us in Oxnard, I want to get better at everything. Yep. And that's what he's doing. He's becoming like no see complete well-rounded cornerback and if he has fewer than 13 interceptions, I won't be surprised at all. I said that back in the offseason. That is a that's rare error right there. But you know, you cut five. down on the big plays. Yeah, five in your and your and you your get burn five, rates down and all that. Like that's yeah. huge. It, it, we, yeah. I mean, that's how crazy the eleven interceptions was last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were talking a couple years ago about J.C. Jackson leading the league in interceptions. And he had seven. He had eleven. Was it eleven for Diggs? Diggs for eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But either way, I mean, hey, yeah. you might not get thirteen either. Uh, but there's so many different ways to look at a cornerback. You can look at coverage. You can look at turnovers. There's so many different aspects to their game that make them a good corner or not so good corner. Diggs does a lot of those things well outside of the turnovers, outside of the interceptions. But but even better is right. Five interceptions, that's that's stout numbers, right? It's top five in the league probably. Now top think, ten in the I league. Think about it this way. Some of those PBUs you mentioned it, in twenty twenty two could be could have been interceptions. So sure. really he could have four or five Right now, mm-hmm. through three games, yeah, he's still playing the same level of ball hawking uh, to the same level of ball hawking ability that we saw in twenty twenty one. It's just they weren't breaking in his favor. <laughs> they were, Chris is <laughs> looking Chris to get a sack. <laughs> Chris, there he is. <laughs> they, they, they weren't breaking. They weren't breaking in his favor. But in that aspect, it's still the same Trevon Diggs. You know, still the same guy who can read and react and close and get in front of a, a receiver. Um, but He's also the same, the, uh, Trayvon Diggs, that can end a game yep. on a key tackle, right? Or end it on an interception. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. three games, he's ended two, both of the wins. One was ended with an interception. That's the traditional Trayvon Diggs right there. That's the one we know and love. Mm-hmm. The other was ended on a tackle in open space. That's the Trayvon Diggs that's trying to send a message, stop talking about me mm. as a tackler. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. Tomorrow we go back to the offensive side of things where Patrick Walker is comfortable. 
to talk about the Cowboys <laughs> offense versus the Washington Shade. Commanders defense. No, I'm messing with you. Uh, but excited. We are going to talk about Cooper Rush and how this offense can continue to grow around him in order to have success against Washington because Washington's front seven is much better than their front five on the offensive side of the yes. ball. Let's say it that way. When we come back tomorrow, we'll definitely break all that down for you. For Chris Beam, Rob Phillips, Isaiah Stanbad, Patrick Nosey Walker, I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long. We'll see you tomorrow from Talking Cowboys presented by Black Rifle Coffee Company. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!